Hi, guys. How is everybody doing? We are cruising our way through summer, huh? I kind of wish I could just sit down and catch up with all of you. What's been happening? What have you guys been doing? I feel like summer is flying by so fast. Is that, how, is that real or is it just me? Yeah, it's flying, flying by so fast. Um, well, hey, you guys, I am Shannon McLeod. I am the discipleship pastor here, and I am going to be continuing on in our summer, summer sermon series, um, Meals with Jesus. But I have some really, really good news for you. You guys ready for the good news first before any other thing? There's going to be no woes today. Yeah, right? No woes. Last week, there were the six woes. Zach came and preached on that, and I will just tell you in full transparency, that was supposed to be mine. Uh, yeah, and I went ahead, and I was like, Luke 11, okay? And I was like, oh, I do not want to talk about woes. <laughs> and so I was like, hey, Zach, do you want to trade? <laughs> so what he spoke on last week, which was Luke 11, was supposed to be mine, and I am speaking this week on Luke 10, because I was like, I don't really want doom and gloom. I'll take some spice and some sassiness any day of the week because it seems a little bit more fun. I mean, I can do both doom and gloom. I can also do spice and sass, but this seemed a little bit more fun. So with that, you guys, we are going to be hanging out in Luke 10, as I said, and this meal that we will be talking about today will be the meal that took place at the home of Martha and Mary and Lazarus to be, you know, uh, a little on the technical side. But you see what I'm saying? This seems way more fun, right? This is way more fun. All right, but before I get too far into this, can we pray? Because I know I need some prayer. (laughs) So will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just come before you and we say, yes, show us something. Show us something this morning. Teach us something new. Um, open our hearts to the words you have for us. Open our minds to something that you want to show us. Open our eyes to that as well. Help us to hear you, Lord God. You know, Lord, you and I, we've been working on this sermon um, for some time now. And I ultimately come before you and I say thank you for what you've shown me. I offer it to you and now I offer it to the rest of this awesome community, God. And I just pray that you would have your way, that you would do your work. We trust you in these next few moments. Help us to just be quiet before you, to hear your voice, to help it land inside of us the exact way you want it to land inside of us. And help me to be clear. Help me to have clear words, um, to remember all the things that are really important that you want this body of believers to know this morning. I surrender myself to you, and we surrender um, this time to you, Lord. We trust you. We love you. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. All right, you guys, we're in Luke 10, 38 through 42, and I'm going to start in the NIV. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. We know this story, don't we? We know this story, you guys, and ultimately at the end of the day, what we know from first glance is pretty much this. Martha in the wrong, Mary in the right. In fact, you can go enjoy the rest of your Sunday. (laughs) That is not all that is going on here. 
She is, yeah, okay, so she's a little bit spicy. Her hide is a little bit chapped because she's obviously feeling, I feel like she's definitely showing that she's feeling overworked and underpaid. Something is definitely going on, especially because we see her as sort of the busybody. We all know the busybody. I've been a busybody, oh my goodness. They are tired. They need a hug. They do need somebody to swoop in and kind of be like, how can I help you? And we always hear how, Mar her, um, how Mary is essentially the lazy sister, right? So either or, a lot of times we like to slap kind of like bad labels on both of these guys and kind of pick them apart in a way that I don't think does quite justice to what is really going on in this room. And I think that what's deeper, as we look specifically at Martha for the, for the majority of this message, I think that right off the bat, she is really struggling with identity. She's struggling with remembering and knowing who it is she is, and she's also struggling with remembering and knowing who it is Jesus is. Essentially, the who's who in the room is giving her a lot of trouble. I do have a little side note that I think is really interesting, and we'll kind of come back to this too, by the way. I don't know if you recognize in this story that even from our previous three thus far, it's interesting because the people at this meal with Jesus, there are absolutely no experts of the law, right? There are no uh, Pharisees, there are no tax collectors. Ultimately, the people who are at this meal are friends of Jesus. They are co-laborers with him. They all have essentially the same heart, the same mind. I mean, maybe save for Judas Iscariot, he's there too. But um, ultimately, these guys are all kind of heading in the same direction. They're familiar with one another. So at this meal, they're just hanging out, catching up, fueling their bodies, Jesus is passing from one village and he's heading somewhere else. We'll also look at that later. But I think that's important because Martha, in that moment, she actually felt free to sort of let some of this out based on this familiarity. So I think that's really beautiful. But there are some directions that I think that the NIV doesn't actually show us very well. And when I mean directions, like viewpoints. So we actually are going to read it again in the King James Version. So Luke 10, 38 through 42 in the King James Version. Now it came to pass as they went that he, Jesus, entered into a village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, there art, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. It's essentially the same thing. There are just a couple of other words here that I think show us what um, the text really says about who Martha is, and I really want to look into that. So the couple of versions in the version of the King James that a couple of the words in the King James that I want to kind of point out are from verse 40. Martha was cumbered about much serving. Now, cumbered in the KJV and distracted in the NIV, they essentially mean the same thing. Like, I think we got it, right? Stressed out, distracted, cumbered, you know. I think we really understand that. But the words that I'm really after here to kind of tear apart a little bit more is serving in the King James and preparations in the NIV. This word in the Greek, serving, in the Greek, means is, is actually diakonia, which means attendance, aid, 
service of a Christian teacher, but it also means that, that essentially we're saying that she is a minister and an administrator. So I think this really messes with what we first see at first glance is really going on here. I don't believe at all that Martha is upset about putting on this meal. How many of you, when you think about this situation, like can picture yourself on a Thanksgiving morning, Thanksgiving afternoon, something where you're putting on something kind of hard, a big meal where there's a lot of people around and you're in the kitchen, right? And you happen to be in there by yourself maybe. And the next thing you know, you're kind of just rushing around. You might be sweating a bit. You're kind of maybe slamming cupboards. It's kind of, and it's building, right? Well, I think that's the image that we get here. <laughs> I see people in the room being like, that's you. <laughs> it's not just for women either, by the way. You guys get like this too out in your garage. I don't know where you're at, but, <laughs> or maybe it's the women out in the garage, the men in the kitchen. This happens to us though, right? We ultimately do. We get stressed out and we feel like the pressure's on. And why is nobody helping me? There's kind of almost a cry of our heart coming out in our actions, if you will. And again, at first glance, this is what we see Martha doing. And I believe that that's absolutely true. But I believe that when we look a little bit deeper and the KJV shows us just a little bit more of that, I don't think it's only that that's got her stressed out. I don't think it's only that that's making her feel cumbered and distracted. She, the, the word here, the diakonia is suggesting that actually she is in ministry too. She's in ministry, she's in leadership along with Jesus and the disciples and the other people who are about Jesus's message. She is carrying a lot more than just dishes to the table, okay? I don't think she's just totally stressed out about that. So I think we have to have a little bit of grace for her there. She might have forgotten in that moment too. Maybe she got sucked into this kind of serving around the table and preparing this meal. And she might have forgotten like, actually, who am I? That's the identity piece. Who am I? Actually, I'm someone who serves with Jesus. I serve alongside him, right? So I think that that is part of the, um, the sorry, identity piece that's got her a little, a little stressed out. The cool thing is that we see here also is that actually Jesus meets her there. Jesus meets her exactly where she's at. I think it's really interesting how, I mean, I was thinking about this, and I was like, it's kind of funny how she's got this all going on. She's totally stressed out. We kind of can see the scene a little bit, although in my head, the scene I see is like in my own home, what it would sort of look like, and I think that's okay. It's okay to imagine it that way. I mean, we have this beautiful table here. We can kind of imagine it around here, but this is less familiar to me in order to internalize and be like, how does this kind of come out of me? I'm picturing it in my own home. So I think it's interesting that wherever when she goes to Jesus, I mean, Mary must be right there. And she, she doesn't talk to Mary. She talks to him, right? In that moment, we can see that actually Martha does have a deep need. She has a deep need to be seen, right? And I think she really has a deep need to be seen by Mary for sure, but specifically by Jesus. And the cool thing is, and I think that we kind of get this wrong too, he meets her right there and he meets her with some compassion, I know that when we hear Martha, Martha, we might actually hear like, Martha, Martha. Or maybe we hear, Martha, Martha. Like, let me tell you a thing or two. I don't think that's what's happening at all. Because if we look at the character of Jesus and we look at who he is and we think about who he's with at this meal, there's a whole different vibe going on. 
There's connection points. This is deep stuff. There are deep relationships here. This is a meal with Jesus for people who do ministry with Jesus. They do life with Jesus. This word with in this scenario is so beautiful. So I think we get this wrong. I don't think he's saying like, Martha, Martha, let me tell you a thing or two. Or Martha, Martha, what's wrong with you? That's not it at all. I believe that when she approaches him, she almost takes her by the chin and tips her eyes up to his and says, Martha, Martha, don't forget. Don't forget who I am right here, right now, because it's pretty clear that she has. She's forgotten who she is. She's forgotten whose she is. And she's forgotten who he is in that room. And because of that, she has gotten distracted and she has gotten, gotten cumbered by much of this serving that she feels she's responsible to do. The good news is, is that Jesus never forgets who he is whatsoever. He's not going to forget. He never forgets. Praise the Lord. And also, you know, we can see ourselves in this all the time. This happens probably on the daily sometimes, right? Especially when we're in a very distracted place and we're overwhelmed. There's a lot going on and we feel the pressure of the world just landing on us. But so we can see a place where we see Jesus never forgetting who he is. We're going to head over to John 5 for just a second. John 5, 17 through 20. This is essentially um, a spot where Jesus had just healed a sick man on the Sabbath. So talking about like when's the time to work and when's not the time to work. And actually the, um, the leaders of the law, they were definitely giving him some serious flack. So let's take a read it, look at that and read it. Again, I'm in the NIV. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day and I too am working. For this reason... They tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees the father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. We see here that Jesus is working whenever it's necessary, right? So that's not the point. The point with Martha isn't about work. Jesus is working whenever it's necessary, right? And Jesus points out the fact that and my father is working all the time. So no matter what's going on, no matter where we're at, no matter how stressed we are, no matter what we're feeling in those moments, we can know and rest that God is working. And God is always, was always directing Jesus in his ministry and if God is in Jesus, and guess what? Jesus is in you, and he's in me. That is our reality too. There's lots and lots of times where we are cumbered and distracted by much serving, depending on what it is or what situation it is. But we can remember and know to our core, God is actually always working. And we can be led by him, pursued by him, greeted by him with that tipping up of our chin, right? to calm us down, to reset us, to remind us, actually, I have this. This is my ministry. I'm called into this ministry by my father. And we get to model after him what that looks like. And in this very moment for Martha, that looked like sitting at Jesus' feet. Jesus was sitting. He wasn't working. He was on his way to somewhere. And we'll see here pretty soon. He was on his way to somewhere pretty important. He was sitting. She got the opportunity, if she could have taken it, 
to just be. She just got a little distracted. But again, the kindness and the love of Jesus and what she needed from him was to be seen by him and to be reminded by him. He picks up her chin and says, Martha, Martha. Basically, he's saying, it is okay. I am. I am here with you. I am here working, even if it doesn't look like I am. I mean, how many times a day, a week, a month, do we need that to our cores? To be reminded of how he sees us to be reminded that he is working and that he is present with us and that all we have to do in those times is to just be with him, to be reminded of whose we are, who we are, whose we are, who he is. My first point this morning, you guys, is identity. Anytime we're in the presence of Jesus, we are reminded of who we are. Amen? Yeah. All right, moving on. I want to talk a little bit about perspective, the why behind the what. Now, we've kind of unpacked what's going on, or unpacked what's going on with, you know, the scene, right? How Martha's feeling, maybe some of the things that might be happening, but there's always a why behind it. You know, we kind of talked a little bit about how her serving wasn't just serving this meal, but it was doing a lot of other things. She was carrying a lot of weight. So there we see some why, Right? A little bit of why there. It's not just about carrying the dishes and doing the things and cleaning and whatever she was doing in that moment, but she was carrying some other stuff that felt pretty important to her. So it's important that we take a look at what else might be going on. She was cumbered by much, much serving, for sure, and she was distracted, for sure. I mean, we cannot argue about any of that. That was pretty obvious, right? But one thing about God's word, and I hope that we've even kind of seen a little bit about that, is perspective is really, really important. I get this image when I open the Bible, like it looks like this when I open my Bible. And you know what I'm opening? You guys remember those big, giant pop-up books when you were kids? Huge ones, right? Like big, huge. And you're like, wow. And you kind of take a step back and you look and you kind of have to look at it from a bunch of different angles. And you kind of got to get down and crouch, crouch down and kind of look. And you got to look at it from the top. That's what God's word is like. It's important for us to grasp perspective and not be afraid to look a little bit deeper, to like to look a little bit deeper like we did with the two different versions, right? We did NIV and we did KJV, right? And then one of the cool things about perspective is, is also authorship. In this particular book, and we've been working in the book of Luke, there's a perspective there. We run right into that perspective. It's right in the front because he is the particular author of this. Um, but the reality is, is he wasn't in the room. That doesn't mean his perspective isn't good. It doesn't mean it isn't important. But ultimately, Luke's perspective, Luke's view of all the things that he wrote in his gospel are not firsthand knowledge. He didn't experience these things. Now, that doesn't mean that we discount him. We say, oh, we don't read the book of Luke because he wasn't there. Well, obviously, God said it's really important because it's in the book. Also, Luke was a doctor. He was an artist. He was a pretty smart guy. And so he was really, it was, sorry, details were really important to him. He made, a good, he made really good intention to make sure that the, that the truth was right there, right? Um, and he loved Jesus, so that's really, really important. However, I still think it's really important to get a perspective and to see things from a different angle. Now, there's a parallel story to this. Even though this exact story is only found in Luke, this exact meal, this exact situation is only found in Luke, there is a parallel story that we can find over in the book of John. And John was in the room. So I think it's important that we go take a look. 
John 12, 1 through 7 in the NIV. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Remember that? Lazarus, Mary and Martha's sister, he had been dead. When, when John is writing this, he had been dead just a couple days before. So that was a big intimate moment that happened with Mary, Martha, and Jesus. That's important. Then here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pint of pure nard and expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. Now, he did not say this because he cared at all about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was in it. Jesus says to him, leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. So what might have been driving her angst? Now, when we look at this perspective um, from John, we don't see Mary getting upset, or sorry, Martha getting upset at all. We do hear she served a meal. And the word there is diakoneo. Um, it's really close to the word that was used in Luke, except for it means a little bit different. It doesn't mean be, does indeed mean being a host, so hosting, um, but it also means being a Christian deacon. So essentially, in this picture, she was both. So she was hosting this party. She was doing that serving, but she also carried a larger weight, right? Now, it's awesome because we don't see her being upset at all. John's perspective is something totally different. And when we look and we look at um, kind of the, where they're headed and what it's talking about here, um, we see that actually I think a lot of her angst was coming out of the place of because Jesus was about to die. Um, now, in Luke, it suggests that, John, that Jesus and his disciples were going somewhere. Um, it isn't clear where. In John, it's pretty clear. And here in John, we're told that, he, that they are headed to Jerusalem. Um, it said right there in the text that it's six days before the Passover. Essentially, if they were headed for, for Jerusalem, it would have been for the triumphal entry. The triumphal entry is also known as Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday was just five days before Jesus would be arrested tried and hung on the cross. Easter. Big deal stuff. Now, how many of you in the room know a darn thing about women's intuition? I mean, Jesus was, had been telling um, those who he was doing ministry with, specifically the disciples, but I'm guessing anybody he was doing ministry with, he would have been saying like, hey, here's what's going on, here's what's happening, here's what's coming. And it was confusing. I mean, we see all over scripture that it was confusing for the disciples. They're like, what is going on? We don't really know what he means. He's going somewhere, but he can't, we can't go with him. I mean, all of that stuff. But I will tell you something. I believe that these ladies, especially when we see what's happening here in John and what Mary did, and even the angst that we see back in Luke out of Martha, I think they knew exactly what was going on. I think that they knew that the time was near and it was really, really important with what they were doing. They wanted to be very intentional about that. They just responded in different ways, right? Yeah, I think that... Martha was definitely anxious about a lot of things. She was distracted about what was right in front of her and who was right in front of her. She kind of freaked out. 
She laughed. She was a little sassy. She, um, right, she was a little aggressive. She was kind of freaking out. And Mary, well, we don't see her just at the feet of Jesus, just at the feet of Jesus, by the way, right? She's not just at the feet of Jesus. She's actually in this particular, uh, you know, version of the story. She's anointing Jesus' feet with perfume, ointment, nard, that was supposed to be saved for Jesus' burial. So why not for such a time as this, especially if that is right exactly where he is headed? I believe that they both really knew exactly what was going on deep down. So my second point is perspective. There's always a why behind the what. And with Jesus, we are better able to see what the what might be. I think he helps reveal in us, like, wow, this is coming out of me. Angst, whatever, freaking out, stress. Um, maybe, you get, maybe you freeze when you're like that and you can't do anything. You're completely unable, unable to do anything. He helps us see when we spend time with him, we are in his presence. He not only reminds us of who we are, but he helps us see also what might be really going on under the surface. Now, the reason that I point any of this out, you guys, is because, again, from the very first, um, you know, get-go of this message, we talk about Martha and Mary, and we automatically think this one thing, right? It kind of is very one-sided. But the reality is, is that what's going on in the room is very human. It can apply to all of us. I know it applies to me. I know it applies to me. And sometimes it looks like a little of both of those things. There are times when I am freaking out and stressed out, and I also spend time at the feet of Jesus, and I'm quiet, but then I turn right around and I'm freaking out and stressed out again, right? I need to be reminded all the time that he is. He is doing his work. His work is always good. His father's always working. It's important for us to look at stories like this and look at ourselves in these stories. That's the whole thing with all of these meals with Jesus. We're able to see ourselves in all of them, right? But I think in this one, there's just a lot more humanity. And I think, again, we're not really used to being, you know, at the, at the table with Jesus along with, like, the Pharisees and the tax collectors. It feels more familiar with him. We are in personal relationship with him. So it's really important, I think, that we look at all these different things. Also, um, there's something about need here. Um, I think that both Martha and Mary needed something. That's another human thing. We, always, we all need something, right? I think that Martha needed to be seen. I think she needed to be reminded. I think that Mary just needed Jesus, and I think that that's okay. But that actually brings me to my last point. And actually, worship team, you guys can go ahead and come on up. The last thing I want to talk about here, you guys, is posture. I believe it's the posture that matters. Um, they both had needs, as I said. One thing is needful. Jesus said that. One thing is needful. And Mary, Mary hath chosen what is better, right? The better part. But I don't think that even in our humanness, when we respond out of doing, 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 like we're having this anxious energy and we want to do more and we want to kind of toil, right? It feels better, I will say that it feels better because the posture that Mary took is actually very, very hard. So our human nature leans toward doing, doing, doing. Help me, there's much serving. I've got to do this thing as opposed to letting him do his work and following his lead in that room. Mary, she essentially had a really hard work, had some really hard work to do too. 
Jesus wants to do work in us that feels really, really hard when we're just sitting before him, letting him do that. It's an active posture, even though it seems very inactive. This whole idea that, oh, Mary, she's lazy. She didn't do anything. She didn't get up to help her sister. Again, that kind of first take that we have of this story, actually, what she was doing was very hard too. To sit still, to hold still, especially when she knew what was coming. I believe they both knew deeply what was coming. They just responded in totally different ways. And I'm guessing that we can see ourselves in both of those different ways, right? We can see ourselves in the angsty way, toiling and spinning, and we need him to just stop. Hey, stop right here. I've got this. Martha, Martha. But we can also see ourselves trying to sit and stay at his feet, to be patient as he shows us whatever it is we need to be shown. There's a need inside. The common thread through all of this, you guys, is about need. Through these Meals with Jesus stories, every time there's a meal with Jesus, Jesus' withness is so powerful. I love that word. I know I said it before, but I love that word. It's a meal with Jesus. And Mary was sitting with Jesus at his feet. And that presence, it's a hard posture to take, but it really matters. He's so powerful. He reminds us of who we are, of whose we are, of who he is. He gives us good perspective. He helps us to see things clearly. But at the feet of Jesus, this is point three, at the feet of Jesus is where our greatest needs are met. And again, like I said, with every meal with Jesus thus far, what have we seen? There's a need, and the need is him. There's nothing else. There's a need, and the need is him. But it's hard work. It's really hard work. Because we are called into service, and as we saw, Jesus is healing on the Sabbath. I mean, how can we get it right? How can we find the balance between Martha, hopefully we don't go quite that far. It's rough to be that stressed, right? But we all been there every, like maybe every day. Maybe you've been there for like months on end. And then all the way to Martha, there's somewhere in the middle and there is such a time for both. I say this a lot, you guys, especially as a discipleship pastor, I say you gotta make time. You gotta make time to sit at his feet. Don't find it because you're not gonna put it in your calendar. And I want to assure you that even if you're sitting there and you're like, nothing is happening when I'm sitting here, and maybe it feels really, really, really hard. Set a timer. I don't think Mary had a timer. It's fine. We're not going to be just like her in this moment, in any moments, maybe sometimes, but he is always working, even if it feels like nothing at all is happening. And give yourself a little empathy, right? And empathy for those around you. Some of that perspective stuff, too, is always understanding that there is a why behind the what. If people are acting some type of crazy way, like, oh, wow, she's got something going on. Yeah, she's probably got something going on. Right? Have some empathy. If it's you acting that way, okay, let me think. Why am I acting like this? What's going on? What's coming out of me? And why is it coming out of me? Well, I've got this going on. 
I've got that going on. Having some self-empathy. Have empathy for yourself when you try to sit with Jesus and you can't. This is all important stuff, you guys. And ultimately, at the end of the day, this Mary and Martha story is about humanity. It's just two ends of the spectrum. Not one is better than the other, although Jesus is saying in that moment, because he knew what was coming to, it was better to pick what, Martha, what Mary was doing, to be sitting there. He was always going to be with them. He said that to Judas too. Create space, you guys. Space for both. Serving is awesome. But being at the feet of Jesus is also awesome. There may be nothing more powerful.